Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super excited to have Dr. Renata Moon back on our show today. He's going to be talking about medical education and differential diagnosis. Um, while we're waiting on getting um, her on, uh, one thing I want to kind of make a prelude to is that you know, there's some sad things going on in medicine right now. Lots of sad things. Um, and one of them is, if you notice, sometimes when you go into some clinics, they'll have you fill out a form and they'll they'll ask you about your gender. Um, and they have more than just male and female gender on there. And we're going to be talking about this because this is being taught in medical school now. Now, here's what my question is. If you have a doctor or somebody in healthcare that has to ask what your gender is, do you really want them taking care of you? Serious. That's a serious question. Janet, what is your comment on that? So I think when we get into the role of taking care of patients, um, a person's gender is is important. It's important how to di- diagnose something. It's important how to prescribe a particular uh, intervention, whether it be a pharmaceutical or a hormone or type of therapy. There is differences, and we need to recognize that. It's not a political thing. It's no. not a. It's not a um, social. You know personal thing out there. It's just a basic fact that we need to address and prescribe and take care of somebody based on somebody's sex. And it's black and white. It's right. male or female. And let's give an example, since Janet and I um, mostly deal with hormones, let's give an example. Um, if your doctor doesn't know your gender and they are starting on hormone replacement therapy, um, do you want, if you're a woman, do you, a biological woman, do you want a male testosterone dose? Absolutely is, not. Right, which is 50 to 100 times more than what a woman's is. Absolutely, you do not. Right, because the consequences are significant when we're talking about overdosing, especially with hormones. A female dose is a hundredfold less than a male dose. And so what would occur is not very helpful. And And the other thing, too, is that it's not about any judgment or any it's just what is appropriate and what is not appropriate and what is the best outcome for this person. Well, and let's talk about some other things when it comes to a gender role. Um, what, what, if, what if a female um, of childbearing age is having belly pain? Um, you can't rule out pregnancy, right? But if that was a man, you can, you right. know, and it could be appendicitis or, or right. you know, what have you. So there's certain things that it's very, very important. Right. Um, obviously, I know this. This or, seems obvious, but it, it, it's amazing we have to talk about right. it. And Dr. Moon is going to, when she gets on, she's right. going to expand on this. Well, to expand on that, if I had a young teenage girl in the in the OR and she's having some pain. I don't care what you put down on that piece of paper. I better rule out that she's not pregnant. Or if she is pregnant, we need to address the problem because internal bleeding, I mean, there's all kinds of consequences if you don't treat it appropriately. So I I, I struggle with the silliness of, of not being just straightforward. I, you know, I, I personally don't have an opinion 
to say whether you choose to label yourself anyway, but when it comes down to your your health, it is important. And like Sean said, appendicitis. So I'll throw my oldest son in there. He had to have a surgery when he was a very young child and he had an intestinal resection. And it was super important when they did the surgery that the, the, the pediatric surgeon took out his appendix because the scar would look like his appendix was removed. And if you went into the OR and you were having a surge or you were having pain and it could be overlooked. And so we didn't want that ever to happen to him because it could be a medical emergency. So there are things that we do in medicine to prevent, to prevent problems later down the road. And to me, that, that made perfect sense. So I think, you know, we have jumped in the last at least the last two years on a agenda platform for many patients. And I, and I struggle with this. And um, I'm going to give you an example of um, what's super important for like, let's say an elderly woman. And especially as we age for women, we need to take care of our bones. And so Sean talked to me or talked to us about the dose of testosterone. And yes, I do recommend dosing women with testosterone to help healthy bones, but I would never give them a male dose. And and especially when we're looking at what kind of response we want. And so the appropriateness of a dose really is put at what someone's age is, what somebody's results are going to be and what kind of biological DNA they really carry in their body as male or female. Yeah, that is, that is totally true. Um, and as we work on getting Dr. Ramada Mood on here, she is going to talk about um, how this is actually coming down in our um, medical schools. And there are certain things the medical schools are telling um, doctors to do or young doctors or young future doctors. And one of the things that they're telling them to do is they can't ask about um, somebody's sex. They have to ask what kind of pronouns they want to use um, before they can um, take care of them. And that I think is just ridiculous because it's not about how you feel today. It's about how and if you feel like a male or a female, that's not how something's going to work in your system and how a doctor can appropriately treat you. Um, they need to know biologically how you were born and they can do that by looking at you. It's usually fairly obvious. Janet? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't do this when we go to uh, having our pets go to a veterinarian to decide what kind of appropriate therapy. So to me, I think it's a political agenda. It's unfortunate, but... We put we put providers in a very sad position when we're having to do these kind of things. Doctor Anna Moon, welcome back to our show. Welcome, thank you. And we were just discussing um, how you on our last podcast you kind of talked a little bit about this about how in medical schools they're they're talking about how one of the things is that future doctors are supposed to ask patients is what they want their pronouns before um, they can take care of them. And we're just, we wanted you to expand on that and how important it is. One of the things that we also talked about was that, you know, if, if your doctor doesn't know whether you're a male or a female, do you want your doctor taking care of you? I mean, that's a serious question. So those questionnaires that clinics have you fill out about, you know, how you identify, I mean, do you really want to go to a doctor that, that can't identify you as a male or female? You go. 
Yeah, I think the the emphasis has been on you know making making sure everyone's comfortable in the healthcare setting, right? So the initial um, idea that we should ask everyone their pronouns, I think honestly started in a kind way. It started because they wanted to make sure that people who identify as transgender uh, felt comfortable, but. The trouble is, is that, you know, the vast majority of the people out there don't, <clears throat> excuse me, don't identify as transgender. And so when someone walks in and immediately asks everyone what their pronouns are, it can be very off-putting for many patients and um, and I think concerning for many patients. And so uh, I think we've, we've morphed into a world where we're trying to uh, provide comfort for a few at the expense of many, right? The trust of many in the system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just think, you know, and it's coming It's coming from the medical schools now, correct? Yeah, the medical schools around the country are very much teaching uh, students to, as they walk into the room, to identify or to ask the patient what pronoun they identify with. And um, and again, for, for a variety of reasons, that's not necessarily going to help the vast majority of the patients that they see feel comfortable about the health care, you know, they're about to receive. So... Well, and, and and is it true that, you know, in the past, and I know this is not going to sound very good to some people, but is it true in the past if if there was a biological male that came to you as a doctor and they identified as a female, is it true in the past that you might refer them to for a psychological evaluation or psychiatrist? Is is that is that a valid question? Yeah. In the past, you mean like more than a th- two or three years ago? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I know the the last three years, I I forgot to start with my disclaimer, which is that my views here are my own. I'm not here representing any other entity or anybody else. But I, yeah, you know, just a few years ago, hasn't, hasn't the world just turned on its head with everything here? So just a few years ago, if you came in and you had concerns that you were something that you were not, we had worries about your mental health, right? And and instead now it's morphed into a whole a whole world that I don't think many of us recognize any longer. I in, in my world of pediatrics, what I'm what I'm most alarmed about are how young the children are who are whose parents are bringing them in and who tell us that they are gender uh, confirming their children or affirming them in the opposite gender. So so meaning I've seen kids as young as three and four years old come into my office with parents who are telling me that the child is the opposite gender and they're you know they're so young they're not making their own decisions at that age at all you know this is and, and, and a few years ago five years ago if that had happened I would have reported that parent for you know emotional child abuse you know today we're expected in many clinics to refer that parent and that child on to a gender affirming center it's it's become, this world where it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, the Alice in Wonderland stories or the Twilight Zone, it's, it really has. How can a parent of a three and four-year-old possibly justify, you know, I've had them look at me, the parents look at me and say, don't worry, Dr. Moon, you know, my child has made up their own mind. And this is a four-year-old. This is right. a four-year-old. This, this four-year-old or, you know, if I'm examining a six-year-old or an eight-year-old in the office, they often will start to bark like a puppy or they'll stand on one leg and they'll squawk and they'll tell me they're a flamingo. I mean, they don't know. They're they're busy with their imaginations. They're busy having a wonderful childhood. And yet these really young children have parents telling them that they are something that they are not. So it's 
it, it's it's really a unique uh, situation now. Well, and I think in Washington State, and since you um, are a resident of Washington State, I think there's some law just passed that um, kids can basically do this on their own without parental consent, um, and there's nothing that um, doctors can do to stop it. Did you know about that at all? Am I putting you on the spot? No, you're not putting me on the spot at all. Yes, I have. I'm horrified by it. So it's this idea that you no longer really make medical decisions for your child that increasingly the government and the state will make those medical decisions for you, even when they are outrageous and just terrible in terms of what may happen to your child. So picture this, your beautiful child comes home one day from school and the school has taught them that they are the opposite gender. And now they want puberty blockers and they want surgery that is permanent. These are permanent actions on their bodies. And you as a parent will no longer have the ability to say, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? I want to talk to my child about this. I want to figure this out together. Your parent rights, your parenting parenting rights will be taken away according to these, these laws that are, are being uh, suggested and in many cases uh, attempted to be passed in, in states. So you're losing your parental rights for something that's kind of frightening. It's it's extraordinarily frightening. I don't think I even have, I don't think the word frightening even does it justice. We need to create an entirely new word for the horror of this. But this is what we see in these types of communist systems. Again, my parents fled from communism and my mother, when she was a young student in her communist run school system, was repeatedly injected with whatever they were injecting the children with. And she would come home and and she remembers one time the area that they had injected her in her shoulder was, it just looked like it was getting infected. And her parents, my grandparents were talking amongst themselves and she heard them saying, I I wonder what they gave her. I wonder what they gave her. And this was their own child in the communist system where the government took over all parenting, medical decision-making. This is what we're heading into. And we really are. It's happened before and it's happening again in front of our eyes. Well, yeah. I mean, you you could make a very valid argument that with all the uh, mandates that they have over the last three years with certain vaccines that it was happening before our eyes. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what really, you asked the question, what were they injecting her with? I mean, I, as a pharmacist, I, I really wonder what was in those vaccines. And, you know, there's lots of talk about the batches not being um, consistent from batch to batch. And so what all was in there? I mean, I think that's a valid question. So we are living this. This we is are. this is the communism that your parents escaped from. Yes. I mean, I, I went to the Washington, D.C. Senator Johnson uh, hearing on my personal time off to, to testify about my concerns about that. I had found a, a box. I had never ordered shots for any patient at all, ever. But I finally had my hands on a box of the product and I'd heard that the package insert was blank. And I did, I went to a sealed box of this mRNA product. I opened it, I pulled out the package insert and it said on it on both sides, only the words intentionally blank is what it said, nothing else. So how do you know what's in the vial that's in that box that you're about to inject into a child if you were to do that? You, you don't know. So, so literally they are agreeing with you. They're putting a package insert into the box that tells you nothing. And people say, well, there was a QR code on it. 
I scanned that QR code. It said product not found. I have a photo of the screenshot of that. Uh, you know, so looking on a website to see what they say is in the box is not something that is even true. We don't know what's in that vial. You, you, the, the package insert is supposed to tell you what is in that particular vial in that box. So your words are absolutely correct. We we don't know, right? Yeah. Well, and honestly, I've lost so much faith. You know, Jen and I are both pharmacists. And by the way, I've got to introduce you to my wonderful wife, Janet, Dr. Moon. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And and you will get to see her in a couple months at our medical freedom conference. So thank yeah. you for for yeah, speaking you. there. Um, and um, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't trust if they wrote down what was in there. I mean, seriously, I I have lost so much faith in in big pharma that I, I just I I don't trust them at all. I mean, you know, I mean, it's 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 just hard not to question all of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you. Our, our our faith in the system and all the regulatory agencies, all the all the agencies that we all trusted with our, for our entire careers, our faith has just uh, disappeared in them. Our trust. So while we were waiting for you, we yeah. were we were talking about this, and and from a pharmacist point of view, um, you know, I just feel very strongly that it's super important for whoever is providing medical care to have all the answers they can have. Because if, for say, you are treating a female, and and I'm sure this happens, a young girl, a teenage girl, and she she's pregnant, and she identifies as a boy, what could happen to this individual without all the knowledge could be very frightening, in my opinion. So, how you treat someone isn't it isn't it in your mind as a physician or as a pediatrician to know everything you can about that patient. Yeah, of course we want to know that. And, you know, we want to be as kind as we can to, to patients sure. and understand, of course, all those things are true. We, we need to know what anatomic body parts they have, <laughs> you know, whether, whether they identify as male or female, we need to know what organs they have inside of them, right? To, to understand, you know, I'm not going to diagnose testicular torsion on a female patient. Right. Unless right unless this is someone who is a transgender female who is biologically male, right? So we have to know this information. But the questioning has become, it's just gone too far. You know, as we try to incorporate the very few people that were actually transgender in our society, as we try to incorporate them into, you know, into our regular world and, and be kind to them and do all the things that we want to see happen in a kind and loving society, we are, we are, we've gone too far. We are teaching children as young as, you know, four and five years of age that they have a choice in their gender. And they, they really, in fact, don't. The mental health consequences of, of going down the transgender pathway are huge. And, you know, we're, we're instilling in them a lot of problems. If we, if we tell them things that they're not, we should be building them up. You're a lovely, beautiful girl. Look how gorgeous you are. You are so smart. You're amazing. Let's help you become the best person you can be. Or the same thing for the boys. You know, why we need to focus on the healthy children and not, not inject our nation's children with chemicals and with, and do surgeries on them that are harmful to them in the, in the long run especially when they're pediatric patients and they really can't make their own medical decisions uh, for themselves. And now with increasing legislation, we're taking that ability away from uh, parents as well. So th this is getting to be very terrifying. And, 
And I think back to your original question, I'm not sure if you had a question or more of a statement, but yes, we need to know what what anatomic body parts someone has as we're making diagnoses, right? Right. Um, yeah. But I, I, there was a recent situation that, that came up in uh, North Idaho, I believe, but it was a family that went in for their child's kindergarten meet and greet the teacher, and they were asked to list their child's pronouns on the kindergarten intake form. And this was in Idaho. Why? Why would we do that? Again, these are extraordinarily rare to have a child identify as transgender on their own volition. I would say it's impossible at the age of five. It's just not possible. They barely know that they're a boy versus a girl at that age. So, or do they care at that point? Exactly. You know, <laughs> they don't right. care. <laughs> but, but if we look at if we look at evidence and we look at data, we clearly have data now showing that up to twenty to thirty percent of some of our nation's teenagers now in certain areas are identifying as gender questioning. Twenty to thirty percent, and I've talked to these young people in the clinic, and they, I've had siblings come in, and they both want to to change the opposite gender. And I've said to them, I said, tell me why, why, why is this happening now? Why do you want to do this now? And they're very open with me. They say, because all my friends are doing it. I have have friends who are gender queer. I have friends who are gender questioning. I have one who's transgender. I want to be like them. There's peer pressure, pure and simple for the vast majority of these kids. Well, and you got to really question, I mean, you know, where they learn it. I mean, you were talking about the five-year-old. I mean, obviously they can't make a decision for themselves or like Janet says, even care, but you got to think that it's, you know, it's not coming from the kids. I wouldn't think, I mean, it's coming from the parents and, and part of it is that, you know, at first as a society, we, we accepted that it was okay to question your gender. And then we started, or we tolerated it. Then we accepted it. And, and when you accept that and you don't question it, and, and, and I get it, I'm not a doctor, like you are a pediatrician, and you have to talk about this in a loving way. I get that. But it's not, we can't accept it as normal. I mean, it's not, it's not normal to change, your, to change your sex. That's right. Yeah, we've, we've, we've been so politically correct. We've been so polite as a society that people have not been speaking out when they needed to be. And and I get it. It came from a place, again, of, of trying to be kind and accommodating and loving, but it has completely morphed into a situation where without doubt, we are absolutely damaging the emotional and physical health of this nation's generation of children, this, this generation that's coming through the school system right now. We are absolutely harming them. I've seen them in my office. We are destroying this generation with this, this idea that you should inject yourself with chemicals and uh, have surgery to somehow become something that you will never fully become. I cannot miraculously change anyone from one gender to another. Neither can you. No one can do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what surgery you have. It doesn't matter what drugs you have. I mean, and you, you can see them, you know, the, 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 the males that have went to, you know, trans, female. They still look male. I mean, you can tell they look male. Yeah. I mean, there's just certain characteristics you cannot change, especially if you've let them go through puberty. Now, changing them early on is probably even more drastic and just I, I even hate thinking about it. Well, you know, I'm just I'm going to make a comment here because, you know, when I think about parenting my children and, and we had Sean and I raised two boys 
And sometimes you learned as a parent not to overreact to what was being said or what, you know, because you didn't have the whole picture. There were times where they were just emotional or they were just upset and you revisit the situation. And and I remember, like, I think it was junior high, my oldest said this teacher didn't like him and didn't want him in his class. And so we had the conversation and I got to the answer and what it was is the bell rang and she didn't have a chance to ask him how his summer was. Yeah. And he was he was totally upset with her. And I said, you know, the next day I said, well, how was school? How's this class? How's this teacher? He had moved on. It was over. He didn't feel rejected. And it wasn't, I mean, part of it, I guess, as a parent is I could have made a big deal about it, but we just, we, you know, we just kind of checked in. How was it going? And and really what I, I learned from that was that day he just felt left out. Yeah. And, it, and the next, you know, by the time he probably was into the next day, it was all solved and done and he moved on and he learned from that too, right? Yeah. He learned that perhaps his emotions were overreacting, right? I mean, he he moved through something, right? And I could have went to the teacher and probably made it a big deal, but why? I mean, there's so many times as a parent that you just kind of have to listen and decide, you know, and and whether... I mean, even toddlers, how many times are they upset about something and the next day they're not afraid of anything, you know? And it's like, it's just moving on and developing. And as their brain develops, things change. So I, mm. Well, I think physically too, especially with boys, you know, I know I couldn't make a very good decision and, and maybe I still can't, but even in, into my 20s and um, I can see it with my boys, how much they they have gained intellectually in their young 20s. I can't imagine them making, you know, life-changing, physical-changing decisions on their body parts um, when they're even 18, um, let alone younger than that. I mean, because it's, it's it, I would think that they would regret it. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we need to let our children um, be able to explore and figure out who they are. That's a big part of their development, right, in their childhood is exploring and becoming the people they're going to become. That's that's so important. But to, to make physical changes with them and to inject them with things that are, are irreversible, you know, once you've been injected with a product, you have all the potential side effects of that product, you know, bone density issues, uh, changes in voice, changes in, there's so many changes that are, are um, those are those are more permanent, right? They're irreversible, right? They are and so allowing them to make decisions, allowing them to wear clothing that they you know identify with. That's all fine. That's all part of a normal growing up adolescent type behavior. But anything permanent or surgical, and especially having a government then intervene and take away parenting rights, is just it's it's terrible. It's really terrible. It's, it's scary. Contemplate that we're letting that happen in our society and we're not standing up to it. A lot of people are standing up to it, but we need more voices. We need more people to stop being so politically correct and start standing up to this, this outrage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. One, one of the analogies that you gave was, you know, to, to, to make it more black and white, I think um, what we need to do is make, give an analogy. And I know when we had you on our podcast before, you gave the analogy that if somebody came into your office and they said, well, I don't like my arm, um, I want to cut my right arm off because it's, 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 it's evil or whatever. Um, you kind of made that analogy with um, body parts. Um, and I think when we make it that, we get away from the, 
the political side of it and the social side of it, and we make it more black and white. Um, it looks like we're having some problems getting Dr. Renata Moon. She's going in and out. I think it's probably her internet issue. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get her back on. I'm back. Not. There so she is. We're having some problems with where I'm. That's okay. That's okay. It's I'm technology. To a little bit. So no, I think you're. You know, I I try to. You, it's important to think of this sensibly, right? So if someone came into my office right now and said that they wanted to cut off or amputate an extremity for a child. Would we do that? Of course not. I, mean, I think we all vehemently right. would scream and say no. Right. This this doesn't make any sense. We of course that we, that would be outrageous. Why would we do that? We're endorsing this is this is crazy, right? <laughs> so why are we saying that it is without any discussion or debate? Why are we saying that it is somehow okay to permanently remove the genitalia of children? It's it clearly is not. It is in the same these are children. Once you're an adult, you can make the decision that you make as an adult. That's a separate conversation, but we're right. talking about children here. Children who don't yeah. have medical decision-making capacity, and now you're trying to have a government take away that medical decision-making capacity that normally would fall to a parent, a kind, loving parent. Carte blanche, they're trying to take that away from all parents. Of course, there are some parents out there who are abusive and and don't have their child's best interest at heart, but the majority of parents love their children and they have their best interest at heart. And so how how is it that we're allowing this to happen? And we need to just resolutely say, no, this needs to stop. And we need to have dialogue and discussion around it and be loving and kind to one another. We're all Americans. We're all in this together, but we need to have dialogue. And silencing the People who are concerned about the safety of our nation's children when it comes to this issue is is obviously the wrong answer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so what is your thought, um, Dr. Moon, on how do we stand up, especially um, as parents? Talk about from a parent side and talk about it from a healthcare um, professional side. Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, the healthcare professionals are very trapped in the system right now. So we have employers basically uh, telling us that we have to uh, ask pronouns. We have to do things a certain way. They want healthcare professionals walking in lockstep with one another when it comes to medical decision making and uh, when it comes to very controversial issues like this one. That is a huge problem in and of itself because a lot of physician colleagues and a lot of other healthcare professionals, besides physicians, are, you know, they feel like minded, but they're afraid to speak out because they will lose their jobs. They will lose their you know, ability to pay their mortgage and to feed their families. But but we all need to start speaking out because the reality is, is this comes down on us. If more and more of these laws come down on us, and they will, and they restrict everything that you can and can't do for your own family and your own children, ultimately you're going to lose your freedom anyway. So, and, and then you won't have any say in it. So right now is the time for everyone to speak up and be brave. You know, America, land of the free, home of the brave. It's it's time to be brave so we can stay free. I love and, it. I love it. And that's where we are. Now, as far as parents, parents are in a very tough situation. I get that. Their kids are being pulled by peer pressure at school. They're being, um, you know, they want to gender affirm to a different gender, as they put it, because they're uh, primarily because of peer pressure. We didn't have this many children doing this even five or 10 years ago, right? Mm. 20 years ago, when I first started practice, I I saw I sent a child to a child psychiatrist maybe once or twice a year, and 
Now, you know, we, we have children seeing psychiatrists every week. We're referring them in the clinics. The, the mental health of our nation's kids is not good. But the best thing you can do as a parent is to be available for your kids. It's to have those long, difficult discussions with your kids. Tell them that you love them. Show them the right way to do things. Yes, they'll be pulled in some directions. If it's, you know, there are plenty of girls who, who traditionally were tomboys and, yeah. you know, and that's perfectly fine. Go, go, go do a lot of the things that the guys do. Go wrestle, go play football, go do all those things. There's no reason that you should be restricted in that, but leave your anatomy alone and just be a wonderful human being that you are, you know, be the wonderful human being that you are. Why would you change anything about your body? Is why would you do that? And so have those hard discussions with your kids, help them to see how unrealistic and crazy this has become and help them through this time period by encouraging them when you can and, and being supportive when it's, when they're harder discussions, you know, but have those discussions. Don't ignore them is my point. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always appreciate you being on as we as we uh, wind this podcast up, Dr. Moon. I just want you to um, sum up in a couple sentences. What, what do you have a passion for? Well, I have a passion for freedom, as you can tell. I love and it. I have a passion for our nation's kids, and unfortunately, that has that has crashed into itself in the last three years. I have seen this country, as from my vantage point as a pediatrician who practiced in Washington State. I have watched the mental health of our kids just be destroyed. We have just destroyed the mental health. It had to do with our cell phones. It had to do with social media and all these horrible things coming at them, you know, inappropriate apps, teaching them about things, they, sexual behaviors they shouldn't know anything about when they're little and six and eight years old, terrible things. I've watched those two things crash into each other. We have, we have and are still in the process of absolutely destroying the mental health of our nation's kids. And it's only when all of us are, are just link arms together. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. It doesn't, what matters is the health of our nation's kids. So we've got to have freedom for all of us to make good decisions. Silencing other people is never the right answer ever. And right now your physicians are being silenced. Your, um, your own voices are being silenced. And the way we stop that is that you start right now as an individual who's listening to this, you start speaking out against this. Be brave, be strong, be firm, be loving, but stand up against this and speak out against this. this we turn this around together, all of us. So, Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Yahada, we have a comment. Let's go ahead and stream that comment. It looks like Dr. Sam Madera agreed. It needs to be discussed openly like the more. Sorry, I get, a, I get close to the screen to read it. Great podcast. Thank you, Dr. Moon and Sean. Well, thank you, Dr. Madera, for watching, and and thank you for um, fighting for freedom, too, because like Dr. Madera, I'm all about liberty and, and freedom, and anytime a government steps in and wants to take any kind of individual liberty from us, it um, it is not good, and when they say it's for the greater good, be scared because be fearful because that is not true. That means they're going to steal your liberty so they can control you. And if that is not clear what's happened in the last three years, I don't know what would make it more clear. Um, I can really thank my wife because from day one with the COVID thing, when they started the lockdown from day one, I said, oh, Janet, let's just, you know, it's two weeks to flatten the curve. Janet looked at me and she said, Sean, this is Nazi Germany. Get in the train car. From day one, my wife didn't believe it. 
And um, we need more people like her and to, to, to stand up and say, no, this is, this is not what we are going to tolerate. Yeah, I agree. So Dr. Moon, thank you so much for being on our podcast. I really appreciate your information. I appreciate you fighting for liberty because it's not, it's not a selfish thing. This is for everybody else. So everybody else can have a choice too. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's I'm fighting for everybody's liberty. And if somebody wants to yeah. you know, have choices, that's what I'm fighting for. So yeah, I fully agree. We're doing this for every last one of us, regardless of, of any, we're all Americans together. We're in this together. So yeah. absolutely. And coming from communism, you know exactly how this works. So please, people that are listening and watching, um, pay attention. Um, she's seen this stuff happen. Um, please wake up. So yeah. thank you, Dr. Moon, for being on our podcast. And I look forward, and people, save the date. Um, on 9.30, on September 30th, will you go ahead and put Dr. Moon back on? Dr. Moon, so you're back on. So on September 30th, um, we are having a medical freedom conference in the Pacific Northwest, and you do not want to miss out. We're going to have some great speakers along with Dr. Moon, a great speaker um, herself. Um, you do not want to miss out. 9.30, we're going to either have it in the Coeur d'Alene, Spokane area. We're not, we're, we're um, finalizing the details on event on venues right now. So save the date on September 30th. Uh, you don't want to miss out our Medical Freedom Northwest Conference. Um, and listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in today. Dr. Moon, thank you so much. Um, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for tuning in.